You know when your mojo is working, you feel like anything is possible. There's a spring in your step, your thoughts are clear, and well, you've just got the vibe. If you're looking for that vibe, or if you just want to keep it, you've come to the right station. Welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. I got my mojo working, but it just won't work on you. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being in the big red bus that is the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you for hitting the download button. No matter where you are in the world, we like having you along. Feel free to jump onto our Facebook page. Give us the good, the bad and the ugly on our little program. And if you'd like to do us a real big favour, get onto iTunes, leave us a review in ratings and reviews, even if you just click the stars or leave us one line. That helps us get the message out to more people around the world and it gives us our mojo and makes us feel good about it, folks. That's all you need to do. Driving the bus behind the big steering wheel that is keeping us afloat. Robbo, what's news this week, mate? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? I actually uh, I actually pulled on the footy boots for the first time in 14 years on Saturday night. Cool, is that right? How'd that go? Mm, yeah, I, it went really well. I'm paying for it this morning. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> but it went really a bit well. tardy. Yeah, a bit rough around the edges. No, I had a great time. It was so much fun and um, reminded me that um, sometimes when we tell ourselves that we're past things, you find a way to go and do it and we're certainly not past it yet. So, um, so yeah, it was good fun. Well, mate, that's, uh, that's good to see. You're going to keep playing or is that just a one-off? Yeah, no, I'm going to sign up for the season, I think. It's, um, it's golden oldies rules, so um, it's a little bit softer than the the game I'm used to playing but um, I tell you what we played the boys from Hornsby Police on Saturday night and um, they certainly didn't go soft <laughs> oh they go right wouldn't they they go very well they went very well it was a very tough game good fun any biffo there was <laughs> actually <laughs> there was there was, there was a little bit of a midfield disagreement there was no punches thrown but there was a bit of push and shove <laughs> oh, you'd be getting into it with the boys in blue wouldn't you yeah absolutely get your chance Yeah. so yeah nah, but um, beers all around afterwards so yeah it all, all right. ended well Let's rock into it. Indeed. The Mojo Radio Show. Okay, two things to share before we hit our guest this week. Yeah. Most people, when they are approaching their day, now whether it be the night before or the morning of, we tend to write down our to-do list, the stuff we want to do during the day. Yep. I read a blog recently on The Espresso, uh, which is the blog I do each Wednesday afternoon for people who like to think differently, and I wrote a story about a what-not-to-do list. And the reason I bring it up is because I had so many people contact me saying it's a cracking idea and they were going to do it immediately as a performance or productivity thing, is that it's not just the stuff you're going to do, but quite often it's stuff that gets in the way of stopping you Mm. from doing the stuff you want to do. So my suggestion was that at nighttime, sit down from time to time and write down the things that you will not do that day, as in, yeah. I will not have an extra bicky from the bicky tin, <laughs> or I will not spend endless hours on social when mm. I've got loads to do. But if I've played footy um, on the weekend, do I deserve an extra bicky from the bicky tin? I don't think, I, I don't even, that, that's not even a question, is it? That's just a statement. <laughs> it's just, you're just telling me that you are going in the bicky tin. In fact, it's looking a tad empty today, I'm going to say. I know. Yeah, body's a temple, just can't. <laughs> Carving up, eh? that's, that, that, that's it, isn't it? You're just carving up carving after up, the game. That's right, that's it. Got to get, <laughs> got to get back in shape. <laughs> Body's a temple. Absolutely. In fact, it's not a temple. It's more like an amusement park. <laughs> anyway. But I like that idea. So tell me, would you would you split a page? Would you do on one side, right, today I'm, I've got to do this, and then on, on the right-hand side of the page, write down, okay, but I'm not going to do this. Is it sort of like a, a for and against list? Yeah, it's, it's sort of. But the only thing I would say to you is that um, your to-do list – Generally, say on the left-hand side, if you had a to-do list, I'd be picking out 
looking at each area of your, of your life, so work, your health, your family and stuff, what I do is I write down the one thing that if by doing it, it makes everything else easier or unnecessary. So I yep. tend to have very specific to-dos on the left-hand side. Yep. On the right-hand side, I would just pick out one one thing to concentrate on is one thing that you think is stealing your mojo, mm -hmm. uh, one thing you want to eliminate from your day in yep. order to make your day go smoother, go healthier, mm -hmm. go have more energy, have more mojo, be more productive. Yeah. So rather than sort of write down a number of things, Rob, I think I'd probably just focus on one, one you know, maybe one at thing at work and one thing out of work. Yeah, right. Okay. And it could be anything to do with food or it could be, you know, I won't procrastinate today mm. or I won't spend time in a meeting when my job is done. I'm getting up and going right through to I won't be talking on my phone when I walk in the front door when I get home tonight. So I think yes. a couple of those things put down um, and even just one a day, I think, has got to move you into a better place to have your mojo working in and out of work, yeah. performance, productivity, love, whether it be spirituality. So um, I was just interested because it did get a lot of comments from people and particularly people who I hold in very high, some of our guests who I hold in very high regard because of their mojo working and sent me a note saying, I uh, really like that concept. So I thought I'd share it, put it out there, just saying, yeah. just saying. Love it. That's great. Nice one. What else now, you got? <laughs> I've got one other little thing. Mm. You know, talking about Bickies, which yeah. you've been focused on pretty heavily this morning. It's been your one thing. This it is one, my, it is this my one Bickie. It's on my to-do list. that Bickie, it will make everything else either easier, appetite, or unnecessary, hunger. Um, <laughs> but you know how we drop a Bickie or food on the ground and mm. there's the five-second rule? Yeah, the 30-second second rule, rule for me. Especially yeah. with pickies. <laughs> when, when, I was, when I was living with some rugby players, it was the three-day rule. Yeah, that's um, about right. But with mm, the, couch the pizza. Basic, yeah, the premise of the five-second rule is if you drop a piece of food on the floor, if you pick it up within five seconds, it's good to go. Mm -hmm. It's still safe to eat. Now, yeah. is that true on a most basic level? Negatory, good buddy. Negatory. Bacteria right. can travel to any surface almost Instantly. Mm. So the minute you drop a piece of food on the floor, mm. if there's any contamination in that floor, you've picked it up. Right. Now, I found a study by a high school student called Gillian Clark, and she was credited as doing the first scientific investigation into the five-second rule right. at the University of Illinois Laboratory. Yeah. Now, what she did is she found some, speaking of biscuits, cookies, yeah. and some gummy bears and she put them on smooth and roughed floors mm. covered in E. coli, it's like bacteria. Yep. Then she dropped the cookies and the gummy bears on both the tiles and like a carpet, so you get the sort of rough and smooth surfaces. Mm. Left them five seconds, picked them up, and then did, did the study. Mm. What she found was that the gummy bears picked up more E. coli than the cookies because the findings is that a smooth surface transfers more E. coli, more bacteria than a rough surface. The rough surface of the cookie didn't pick up as much because it didn't have as much surface touching. Yeah, surface area. Um, yeah. As a gummy bear. Yeah. And then the other side of it is when they dropped the same food onto carpet or tiles, mm. they did a study on the tiles themselves and they found that if you have like a tile or wood mm. would pick up up to 68% of the bacteria, yet carpet picked up just 0.5. Yeah. There you go. So it is true that the five-second rule does not exist. Mm. However, it does seem that it determines 
what surface is on. Because even in the three seconds on a smooth surface with food that's got a big surface space on it, is going to pick up bacteria. So yeah. uh, I will post the story into the show notes because it is a quite a long story. It's a lot of data behind it. Mm. I just find it interesting because you are constantly dropping your bickies here in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> and I see you pick them up very quickly, dust them off, and you're good to go. I've got to tell you, though, I dro- I, Saturday after the footy game, I dropped my sausage sanger. That was the five second rule, let me tell you. (laughs) But you know, we were talking about this before we started the show and I thought you made a really interesting comment Mm. that if somebody else drops your food and puts it back on your plate, but they don't drop their own, you go, hey, mate, no way. That's right. But if, if you, you drop your own sausage thing, pick it up, space is good to go. If the guy behind the barbie drops your sausage thing, you're like, mate, come on, give us another one. But if you drop your own, it's like, dust it off, she'll be right, mate. Nah, she'll be right, mate. That's the way. That's, that's the Aussie way. She'll be right, mate. What, can go, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so there you go. All right, let's rip into it. Getting your mojo working. This is the mojo. Joe Radio Show. So our guest today, Rabu, mm-hmm. is a young guy who is an expert in leadership. He wrote a book called Leadership Within, 20 Ways to Unlock the Leader in You. The reason why I was so interested in getting Ryan Waite on the show is that I've been following his blog for quite a while. I liked his angle on stuff, but I think it's interesting talking to young guys about leadership mm. and particularly because he works a lot with young teams and young guys in businesses yeah, right. and also works with some senior executives. So he's got this quite interesting cross-section of working yeah, with mix. young kids in high school, young mm. leaders in businesses right through to some senior executives. And I like the idea of getting a view on leadership from different angles. This guy works in business. He works in sport, the education sector. Um, so, Ryan Waite, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Fantastic uh, to be on board, Gary. I really, really appreciate you uh, you asking me on. No, it's a pleasure. We've, um, we've been wanting to catch up for quite a while. And I guess just to set the scene uh, for everybody, tell us what sort of work are you doing sort of day-to-day and who would you be likely doing it for? Great question. I, I like to keep myself pretty broad, Gary. I know there's some dialogue around there about narrowing your focus and being specific mm. in one particular area, but I like to keep myself quite broad. And give yourself an example. Last, last Thursday in the morning, I was working with uh, some branch managers from the Bank of Melbourne, uh, one who was 26 and one who was 65. So you get different, <laughs> I suppose, Graphics there, and then uh, across town, I went out and worked with a, a mortgage broking company, and that was all around high performance and behaviour. And then jumped in the car after lunch, put my runners on, put my put my uh, shorts and t-shirt on, and, and work with a year ten group uh, at a school around leadership and, and obviously being physically active and how you know exercise impacts the brain. So. Uh, I like to I like to keep myself quite broad because yeah, you get different energy levels from different uh, crowds mm. in the audience, um, and you learn a lot that way as well. Keeps you sharp, I think. It's very interesting, mate. You um, you're an author and a keynote speaker on leadership, which we're going to delve into. But I'm just curious, why why does leadership interest you so much? Like, what is it about leadership that made you want to kind of uh, write about it, talk about it, be involved in it? Leadership for me is just behaviour, and I've always been interested around why people make decisions and why people do what they do. I think that started from an early age. I mean, uh, without sort of going into, into too much depth, I mean, I grew up without a father. So uh, my father, I've, I've lived in, in Victoria. My father lived in Queensland since I was the age of three. And ever since then, I, I was always intrigued around why people make decisions and, and the motives behind them. And, you know, in, in essence, that's just leadership for me. It's just, it's just decision-making and being able to follow that up. So uh, that that 
definitely played its part. Uh, the second part of the of the leadership, I suppose, interest for me was sport. You know, sport's always been a huge part of my life. Uh, Aussie rules down here in Victoria. I, I played since I was a, a young boy, and I also played a lot of a lot of tennis as well. And I've always been interested around you know, the mindset behind sport. You know, I know myself. You know, actually, I heard I was watching women's golf of all uh, of all sports. I think on TV about three weeks ago. <laughs> And I mean that, and I say that, I do say that respectfully. Um, you don't see a lot of uh, female, I suppose, golf these days. It's not as much as you used to. Yeah. But there was, there was three, there was three leaders going the last round, and this particular, um, this particular golfer, she, she would, she, I think she was in her fifties and had the most experience. And the commentator asked, I said, you, you, you consider yourself, you know, you're going to win today because you've got the most experience. And she said, no, no, no. no. Don't, don't get carried away with the experience question. Confidence is so much more ex- important than experience. So mm. I've always been interested in that mindset, confidence, behaviour behind sport. So long-winded answer, I know, but my two motives behind leadership were obviously, you know, uh, the reason why my father leaving when I was a young boy and also, you know, myself being heavily involved with sport. It's, it's interesting, right? When you look back over that time when your dad um, was no longer around, who, who stepped into that leadership role to help shape you as a man? Yeah, I mean, I was probably put in a, a fortunate or unfortunate position, depending on the way you look at it. I had to go out and choose my, my role models. Mm. Uh, so I, I had a lot of support from my older cousins. Uh, they were very good. Um, but it probably, for me, it wasn't until I uh, was probably 19, 20, where I had, a, had two football coaches in the one year, uh, both very... Very demanding coaches, uh, both expected a lot, both pushed me hard, but at the same time, they, they saw something in me that I probably didn't see myself. Um, so I owe a lot, lots of those two people. And, and I learned, I mean, the, the one coach I think in, in particular was a person that I, I thought he hated me in that first year. And I just anything I did, I just couldn't please him. You know, if I, I I'd walk off off the ground playing football, and I thought I'd played a good game, and, and he'd tear shreds through me. Go, oh, hang on, that's not quite uh, what I thought. But mm. he he knew that I had more to give, um, and that was a really big learning uh, curve for me because um, sometimes you need people to actually shake rattle the cage, shake you up a little bit to get the best out of you. So, yeah, look, I'm not going to say it was easy. There was times where I just, you know, I wish that there was someone there um, unconsciously, but I think, you know, myself having that opportunity to choose my male role models um, probably fast-tracked uh, my development, I think. We're a much maligned and unappreciated species, the, the footy coach. You realise <laughs> that, don't you? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I've sort of stayed away from the uh, the football coaching at this stage. I've had a couple of opportunities, but I've stayed away at this stage. <laughs> so, Ryan, if you are now, you finish the, the Mojo Radio Show, you throw your shorts, your runners on, and you head to a school to stand in front of a group of year 10s, what do you remember from your time of having those two coaches that year? Is there something you remember that always sticks to the back of your mind that you can take to those year tens to pass on. It was it was trust. Trust is definitely one um, that comes to mind. I, I remember in two thousand and I think it was two thousand and six. I I was lucky enough to play for Vic Country and, and Lee Colbert, um, who I was a massive Geelong supporter, and Lee Colbert was coaching, and Lee Colbert was my idol. Um, and I remember rocking up to the team meeting the night before we flew out to Brisbane and. 
you know, he was he was Lee Colwood, my, my idol as a kid, and he looked me in the eye and, and said my name and, and said, "Great to have you on board. You, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have a really really big carnival." And, and for one, he knew my name. Two, he looked me in the eye. And three, you know, he actually put a lot of trust and faith in me, which was um, which was really important. Um, and I look back, you know, Lee and I are still good friends, and you know, I owe a lot to him. Just you know, I spent three or four days with him in 2006, but that was really important. Coming back to the year 10s, oh, I think it's really important that whatever you do, and you know this, Gary, yourself, when you when you deliver and speak, that when you deliver a message to, especially to younger crowds, but any crowds that matter, you have to back up what you say. Yeah. You can't say one thing and then not be able to actually perform it yourself. So I suppose the, the concept in which I use is, you know, there's a lot of information out there, but... Yeah, you, know, you can always learn something and then give something. But the most powerful thing you can ever do around knowledge and um, and influence is you learn something uh, and then you live it yourself, and then you give it. I think it's so much more uh, impactful that way. So you've talked about performance and you talk about high performance. In your mind, what separates someone who's performing versus someone who's a high performer? I like to think the difference between a progressive mindset and a comfort mindset. People that are progressive are always looking for ways to do things better, mm. always looking for ways to not be content with the success they've had. Um, where a comfort mindset, it's, it's almost about just getting through the day, do their job amicably, yeah. and have, but not necessarily look for that next edge, that next way to do things. So, I mean, the best way, I suppose the best way I can describe it to the listeners and to yourself is the difference between a, a VHS a tape and, a, and an app, you know, a VHS tape, uh, as we know, that if every time you taped over it by doing the same thing, the quality got worse and worse. Um, so, but the fact that you're actually trying to stay comfortable, you're actually, your quality and performance is going backwards, similar to a VHS tape when you tape over it. And then you, you look, you flip the coin over and you look at an app, every three or four weeks, apps are updating. They're looking for ways to do things better. They're not particularly broken. They've got a couple of things they've got to work on in the background, but they're continually finding ways to improve and get better. So, to put it, I suppose, simply, you know, I go, well, are you a VHS tape or are you an app? You're continually looking uh, for ways to do things better, be better. Um, and there's always, uh, as you know, the, the higher performer you are, the smaller the levels of improvement, but there's always and that next level to go to, I believe. Robbo, we're only uh, 10 minutes into this, but I reckon he's just struck a boundary. I reckon he's struck gold. I reckon there is gold in them there hills, absolutely. Gold in them there hills. That's nice, mm. mate. I, uh, that's a very, very good answer. Ryan, with, um, with going out today, work with bankers who were 20 years old, working with guys that are 60 year old, you're standing in front of year 10s. I like the idea of you saying keeping you sharp and you and gaining you information from lots of different angles of age groups and different backgrounds, no doubt, and different work environments. In your experience of working with those groups, do you think the style of leadership has changed over the last number of years? So as new generations are coming through who have different expectations, different views of the world, different access to information, it's a lot faster. Have you seen, with the people you've spoken to, people you've worked with, a change in our leadership styles? Absolutely. I actually, believe it or not, uh, being, I suppose, on the younger side of things, I actually feel sorry for, for leaders that are a mature age because I think in the past you could have one style of leadership and it could impact the whole group. It could influence mm. the whole group. Now, everyone's got different ideas, different philosophies, different backgrounds, different resilience levels, coping mechanisms and so forth. 
Um, so you've actually got to be adaptable to all, all range of different, uh, I suppose, philosophies and backgrounds and personalities. Um, so answer your question, absolutely. Um, people have to adapt uh, if they're in a, a particular leadership position. And I think a lot of people out there, and, and, and guys, you'd see this, that are, are in a position of authority or leadership but don't necessarily have the skills to mm. to. Maybe maybe with 10% of the, the group that they manage, but the other 90, they can get a bit lost. Um, and I, again, I'll go back to one of the concepts that, that I teach quite often, and that's your leadership toolbox. And, um, you know, if you're a narrow leader with a narrow skill set, um, you're running around with a hammer trying to fix people. Now, that, the hammer's going to work for the people that need a nail uh, bang back into their bit of wood. But people that need their screw tightened or their uh, piece of wood cut in half, the, the hammer's not going to cut it. In fact, the, yeah. the, the damage you're going to do by proceeding is going to be worse than, than if you didn't proceed at all. So I say that what's in your toolbox? You know, you've got to add, you've got to add your spanner, you've got to add your saw, you've got to keep adding your, your tools to your toolbox. So when a particular personality comes forward, you can then pull out that particular knowledge for that particular person. So absolutely, I, I totally agree. Now, look, that's got to do with technology and you know, um, you know, do we cotton wool our kids, all those sort of things. I won't go into that too much. But, yeah, I think the the scope of leadership has, has definitely changed in the last decade and I think it will change exponentially too with the onslaught of technology over the next, you know, five, ten years. I, I personally love speaking in front of the younger generations. I have so much respect for them and I admire their world and their energy and but a lot of people don't a lot of people particularly leaders today business leaders say they're very difficult to work with they're very difficult to lead do you in your mind can you add to the toolbox for a leader who's managing the gen y group in a small medium or a large organization are there things you would say to that leader to help them with their toolbox to be able to lead those people better? Great question. It's, it's, it is always hard. And I think I know, I know myself, the difference between talking to a, a group of corporates or a group of business people compared to school-age kids, especially around that year, year 8, year 9, year 10 level, is you generally you can generally hold an audience that's corporate for the entire time. If it's an hour or 90 minutes, you can generally hold them for, for that long. Mm. In terms of engagement. Now, school-age kids, you, you don't get them for that long. They, they come in and out of engagement um, just because who they are and, and the fact that they can't concentrate for that long because of all the distractions they've got. So, you know, I suppose my, my advice would be that just when you've got them, make sure you say something that's going to impact them because um, you're not going to have them for the, the entire time. Um, but when you do, make sure that you, you say something that they can take away. And then that mm. obviously and management level as well. You know, the, I think the, I was reading the other day that the human attention span uh, 20 years ago was one minute and, and now it's down to nine seconds. So just make sure that that nine seconds is powerful. Yeah, they've actually said that um, the attention span of the average human right now is less than a goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic for me because working in a studio, I feel like a goldfish. Which is quite frightening. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll feed you later, mate. That's right. Um, so tell me something with... Um, with the toolbox you talked about for leading new generations, Ryan, um, I heard a quote from Austin Cleon who runs a blog out of New York and he said, the quality of your outputs is all to do with the quality of your inputs. So to have quality outputs in my toolbox for a leader today, what would you recommend? Like how do I, how do I broaden my skill set to be able to manage these new generations or 
the, the change in technology, pace, lifestyle, behaviours, how do I, where do I go to get better inputs? Yeah, I mean, spot on, man, your input. And I think, you know, first of all, if you are going to be a leader and you want to be a leader, absolute non-negotiable is you just got to continue to learn. You just have to keep learning. You just can't be comfortable with your level of knowledge or your level of influence. You've got to keep getting better, as I said before, with that progressive mindset. Uh, now, coming back to, um, you know, like you said, where to go, what's your, what's your resources around finding ways to engage that younger generation? And I don't think there's a better resource than the generation itself. Ask questions. Ask them what they want. Now, now uh, there is two sides of that that coin. I understand that you know, the younger generation are perceived as you know, wanting everything and wanting it yesterday. Um, so it's obviously about you know telling them to hold their horses and be patient and so forth. But I think the best resource around engaging young people are the young people themselves. Ask them what they want because they're the ones that know what they want better than anyone else. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, I push hard with young people is. Uh, don't try and, if you're a nurse, don't try and be a surgeon yet. Yeah, if your goal is to be a surgeon, absolutely go for it and go for it hard. But understand that there's a process to that. You know, if you're if you're a nurse, be the best nurse you can be. Okay, then you graduate to a paramedic and be the best paramedic you can be. And then you graduate to a doctor and be the best doctor you can be before getting to that surgeon stage. Because if I was going in for a, a knee operation, we'll talk about knees before the show, if I was going to go in for a knee operation, I don't want a nurse mm. cut me open. I want a, a high-level surgeon. You've said that companies are now recruiting wholly on attitude, like attitude is the number one thing they're recruiting on above competencies and skills and so on. What are you seeing now in that area, mate? Like, can you explain that to me? Yeah, no, again, great question. I think... Um, yeah, I think it was Ernst Young, I think, over in the UK, they're, they're purely hiring for six months out of, out of character. Mm. Uh, so much experience. All that. In fact, I don't think they asked people to put in a resume or a CV. It was purely out of character, which uh, you know, which is super important. And look, coming back to education, young people, I think the, the one really untapped area of education for young people, not just young people, that is – uh, how to actually get along or how to actually work within a team that you don't necessarily get along with. I think at school age level, people are placed in groups that they get along with, their friends and people they're not going to clash with. But as you know, the work, work, workplace doesn't work like that. Sometimes you, you're asked to do a project or an assignment with a, a particular group that you don't necessarily see eye to eye. And, mm. and people, how do you actually manage that? How do you manage... Um, a difficult conversation with someone when you don't necessarily see eye to eye. Um, now, we are talking about Simon Madden before the show and, you know, not seeing eye to eye can be a good thing. You know, he said that the thing that may have happened at Essendon was no one actually asked the, asked the question from the other angle. They didn't say, Is it, are, we, are we doing the right thing here? Uh, you know, and so forth. So, I think, uh, you know, I, I talk about, he asked a question around the three C's, competence, character and chemistry. You know, I think those bottom two are unbelievably important. Um, competence is obviously your skill and your knowledge and, uh, and your experience, but your, your character is your attitude, your mindset, your determination, your resilience, then obviously your chemistry is how well you can get along with other people in that particular team. So, again, you know, I'm a big believer that if you're coming back to your quote before, that if you put all the good stuff in, uh, good stuff's going to come out. And sometimes having personal confidence to stand up and disagree, it's okay. Obviously, you've got to do it subtly and respectfully, but disagreeing is not necessarily a negative thing where I think young people see it that way. Um, many of us think we're doing all the right things, 
Like we want, we want a better life. We're working hard. We're doing all these things. How do we know? Like you've talked about um, a process for understanding you're on the right track. How, how do you think people, whether it be in leadership or own personal lives, is there something you've got in your mind that you could share that would lead us to believe that we're doing the right things and we're on the right track? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you know, we're all running around crazy all day and you think, why the hell am I doing this? You know, sometimes we have those moments around, what am I actually doing? But mm. uh, you're right, you've got to centralise yourself and go, right, well, am I actually on the right track? Am I doing the right things? And you know how, if I was going to ask uh, Gary and, uh, and you too, Robbo, you know, how far you've, you've come in the last seven days, what have you learned? How have you improved the conversations you've had? You probably go, well, not really that much. Not, mm. I haven't really improved that that far or come come a long way. But then if you backtrack, you know, two years ago and think how far you've come in that time, what you've learned, what you've done, what you've overcome, um, your achievements, all those sort of things, you, you realise, well, crap, I've, I've come a long way. Um, so I think taking a narrow view around whether on the right track can be counterproductive, but it's good to take a look back further and go, how far I actually come? Mm. Uh, what have I learned, and and how am I better now than what it was twelve months ago? Uh, and then you know, pat yourself on the back for that. But then, obviously, you know, dig in and go, how am I going to get better again mm. uh, than twelve months? Do you journal, mate? Because hearing you say that um, is kind of the power of having a journal to be able to document things that have gone on, how your thinking was twelve months ago or two years ago, things you were grateful for, and. Uh, it's interesting that a lot of people we speak to are journalists and they're just hearing you talk about knowing you're on the right track and looking back would lend itself. Are you a, are you personally a journaler? Uh, you've got me. Look, I, I should be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've got that me, question. Uh, no, no, no. Look, it's, it's, it's made me accountable right there because it's something that I've, I've been wanting to do. Um, and I really should do. Um, so uh, it's something I'm going to start uh, straight after this. I'll get the pen and paper out. And, and, and There you go. But, no, I'm not necessarily a, um, a journalist. I, I, I haven't written things down around how I'm feeling. And saying that, I'm, I'm, I'm always conscious of how I'm feeling and, and, and what I'm doing. Um, always sort of, especially as you know, when you when you work for, you, for yourself, when you you've got a lot of alone time, you have a, a lot of time to, to think and reflect. So I suppose... That's one thing um, that I've become, I suppose, a mo- lot more self-aware around. That's reflection. Uh, did that work? Did that not work? Can yeah. I do it? I done it better and so forth. So not necessarily from a written point of view, but definitely from an internal dialogue point of view, I'm, I'm very reflective that way, I suppose. It's half time on the Mojo Show and time to pause. For a cause. Hey everybody, I'm Michael Casey, aka 2100. I'm currently walking from uh, uh, Gold Coast to Cairns. It's a 2100 kilometer journey and uh, raising awareness for the 21 Fathers campaign. So hashtag 21 Fathers, jump online and learn more about it. 21 dads in Australia take their own lives every week based on child custody and access issues. Uh, I'm also raising money for the Are You OK organization. So that's uh, suicide prevention. These are situate, these are that are very close to my heart. So, listen to me, and uh, we'll talk about how I'm getting my mojo back and look into these causes, man. The 21 Fathers and Are You Okay? Great organisations, great campaigns. Thank you. 
The Mojo Radio Show. Robbo um, uses a lot of softness in his washing, Ryan, <laughs> for his uh, his socks and his jocks and mm. his little t- t-shirts. Yeah. And, he, and, and particularly his coaching footy jersey he wears. Um, <laughs> but you talk about a different softener. Can you explain what a softener is in your mind? Yeah, so I'll probably have to go back to, to motivation and, you know, the Everyone, I think it's a it's a buzzword, and you know, motivation can get lost in the in the heap at times. But I say that motivation only comes from unsatisfied means. So, give an example: How much motivation did you have last night at two a.m. to get up out of bed and run outside? Ninety-nine point nine percent of people go zero to none. Had no motivation. I was comfortable. I was content. I was happy. Now, if tonight, touch wood, this doesn't happen, but if your house were to catch fire at two a.m., how much motivation have you got to get up? You've got a hell of a lot. Why? Because you want to go to a place that's improved. You want to go to a place that's safer. So unsatisfied means is where motivation comes from. That's the first point. But then I think where people lose that motivation is they put softeners in the way by telling themselves little justification stories. Uh, you know, I really I really should go for a run in the morning, but, oh, look, I'm, I'm not that unfit, so I'll just leave it for the next day. Or, oh, look, I, I really should have read that book because it would have been great for me, but, you know, Mary, who sits two desks down, she didn't read it either. So if it's okay for her, it's okay for me. So it's those little justification stories internally that we tell ourselves that keep ourselves comfortable. And, you know, I think Anthony Robbins says it very well around our proximity. You know, if you want to raise your standards, you place yourself in in the company with people with high standards. Um, but if you, if, you, if you want to have that softener feel and you want to sort of justify your actions, you place yourself in, in the company of people who've got lower standards and that way you can feel comfortable. Yeah, so it's yeah, us yeah. internal dialogue. Sometimes it's our choices around the people we surround ourselves with can be our softeners as well. So, yeah, I think that's, it's you know, again, coming back to that, you know, comfort mindset. I mean, if you look at, I, you know, I did this in a session one day. I mean, you can always find an article to back up your theory. And I did this one day in a, in a session. I asked people to, to Google the most unbelievable fact that might be out there and we come up with 10 reasons why vegetables are bad for you. And you put that... <laughs> and, I, and I actually didn't know this. I was taking a punt. Um, you put that into, into Google, why vegetables are bad for you, and you'll get three or four articles around why you shouldn't eat vegetables. So coming back to that knowledge, uh, there's always something out there uh, that will justify your story. Um, but internally, that's where you've got to be very honest with yourself around what's best for you Okay, and where are you going and where do you want to get better and what's what's your purpose? Robbo and I always talk of Bruce Lee. He was the famous martial artist and movie star and he had a quote that said, it's not the daily increase but the daily decrease. Hack away at the unessentials. What's an unessential that you've hacked away at and or eliminated, say, in the last, I don't know, six to 12 months that's had a, a profound impact on your world, Ryan? Is there something that you've gotten rid of? I think trying to please everyone, Gary, I think that's probably the number one thing. I think, obviously, I, I, coming back to my, my youth, you know, I, I knew what it was like to, to not, I suppose, feel loved. I know that's going getting pretty deep, but not feel wanted. And so if anybody wanted my time, um, I felt obligated to give them that time and not just time, go over and above, you know, a, a conversation that could have went for 10 minutes, you know, quickly turned into two hours. Um but I had to really make a decision around, well, you know, is that going to benefit me? Is that going to benefit Mike? Is that going to make me productive? 
Um, so I made a decision, like you said, probably two years ago to, look, still be courteous and still be respectful and, and still give my time um, to people, but not over and above what, what's mm. needed. Right. How old were you when your dad actually left? Oh, look, I was only young. I was three or four. Um, I don't necessarily have many memories of mum and dad together. In fact, I've got one memory, but I think that's because I watched the video when I was a bit older. Um, yeah, now, dad would probably listen to this and look, dad, look, we still get along. Uh, we probably don't have a normal father-son relationship, but what's what's normal anyway these days? So, look, he, he, he probably knows. He, he made a couple of mistakes and, um, you know, we've got an okay relationship. Not not ideal, but it's okay. Um, and I'm probably in that space now where probably look, my wife and I are looking at kids in the next um, you know, two or three years. Uh, and we've obviously got to make sure that I, you know, I, I don't make some of the same decisions, uh, I won't say mis- mistakes because everyone makes decisions for where they're at in that particular time, but I make sure that I make the right decisions for me. I, I just wanted to say that I, I don't want you know become a bit of a dad basher because he'll probably listen to this and I said he'll, he'll, he'll cop one on the chin and, and um, yeah, move forward. But yeah, like I said, it was hard. It, yeah, it was hard. Um, yeah, I, I remember a story. Uh, I think it was my first day at, at secondary school, and obviously you don't wear ties at, at primary school. And my uncle did my tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you, yeah, you don't undo it. You just lower it down a little bit so you can just pull. <laughs> half mast. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. half mast. <laughs> no, no one ever taught me how to do a tie up. And I remember I was mucking around the schoolyard that particular day. My tie came undone, and I just got so embarrassed because I had to go up and. You know, ask someone how to do a tie. I think I went up to a teacher, and um, uh, and then you know, a couple of kids were uh, picked on me, saying, oh, "You don't know how to do your tie up." Again, well, no one ever showed me. So, I mean, that's just a, an example around, you know, why. Um, yeah, there was tough times, but like I said, I, I think it's it's definitely fast tracked me around um, becoming more self aware. I suppose around decisions. We we spoke to a guy recently. Um, who's the indie spiritualist, a guy called Chris Grosso. And it was very interesting because one of the questions I asked him is that, you know, he'd been down, he'd been to a pretty dark place through his career. And I said, how do we ensure that our children don't go down the same dark laneways that you went down? And he said, by having real conversations with them and ensuring that you understand their dreams and you endeavour to do whatever you can to get inside their world to have true conversations. One thing that just struck me, Ryan, is that I hear a lot from kids who come from broken families or kids who severely lacked attention from their parents that they said the same thing that you just mentioned is they, they, they just felt as though they didn't matter. In your mind with what you went through, say, with your growing up, now working with kids, working in sport, is there a piece of advice you could offer to someone who knows a kid that they could do, something they could do or say to make sure that kid feels like they matter? I think just ask questions. So, yeah, you know, I think that's, we're very, again, one thing when I first started this particular space of coaching, that it was all about, okay, I've got to give advice. I've got to give, I've got to give. I think... You know, people just want to be heard, especially young people. They just want to be heard. I think that's that's the difference. I think we're, you know, the older generation are very good at giving advice, but at times not great at listening. Um, so actually, just similar to us, I answered the question before, and just ask questions, see how they're feeling. Because once you've got that 
I suppose, that reference point. Uh, that's then where you can give advice and, and, and pass in your experience around how they can potentially drag themselves out of that particular hole. I, I think listening first is really important. Um, and, and, and the next part of that is just being the, the role model via actions, not just words. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, if, if you can yeah, lead by example, um, yeah, that's a lot more powerful than words in anyone's book. That's my opinion. You've interviewed some great sporting coaches and some great sporting performers. You've worked in the corporate world. You've written about it. Who's the sporting coach that you most admire? And, and what was it about that guy or girl that you so admired? I won't be embarrassed if you mention me, Ryan. Coaches that I've had or, or general coaches? I think coaches either you've had or people you've had the chance to look at, write about, interview. I think at, at present, obviously being down in Victoria, you know, AFL runs runs this state. So, yeah, Alistair Clarkson uh, comes to mind. Um, you know, David Park, you know, I've had uh, many conversations with. He, he, he is the best speaker I've heard. I was probably a bit young to probably remember his coaching philosophy. I remember him coaching but probably don't remember his philosophy. But he talks about Alistair Clarkson in a way that, if it's not broken, smash it to pieces. You know, he's been been able to reinvent himself year in year out um, with with the Hawthorne Football Club, and you know their results speak for themselves. And I think uh, you know he made that decision. They they won the grand final in two thousand and eight, and I think what Clarkson tried to do, and this is coming from David Park, and he was just trying to replicate what they did in two thousand and eight. But coming back to that VHS app example, I think by replicating what they did last year, they were probably going backwards, and even aware enough to realise that and ever since then he's just reinvented himself year in year out so the players don't get a, a tired message they're continually engaged they get something different from him so you know off the top of my head he would be yeah, he'd be one that springs to mind around you know finding ways to do things better um, and always reinventing himself and having that progressive mindset with having a love of sport if you think back through all the sport you've watched with the AFL or cricket or rugby league, whatever it may be. Was there a great moment of leadership that you remember that you thought was absolutely brilliant that stuck in your mind? Yeah. I, put me put me on the on the spot here a little bit. I mean, I, on the top of my head, I come back to, you know, Steve Waugh, you know, the 1999 World Cup. You know, obviously the, the famous Herschel Gibbs, you know, he dropped the World Cup. I think him being able to back up his his, his words with actions, that, that comes to mind. Um yeah, Michael Boss, um, you know, in a couple of those grand finals, one in especially, I think it was 2002 uh, against Colin where he, he needed a big last quarter. He stood up. Um, yeah, look, oh, this is this is a topic I could go on and on with for a uh, for a long time. But I suppose those two uh, would come to the, come to the forefront of my mind. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just my mind's mind's sort That's of right. one around the place trying to find anything else. But I think those two come to and, and obviously the good thing about those two particular people, they didn't just do it once. They continually um, did it day in, day out. So I think that's why those two uh, come to mind straight away. You spoke before about uh, motivation and softness and you talked about being dissatisfied and that it comes from not being comfortable, being dissatisfied to give you the momentum to make a change. Is there an area of your world that you currently feel dissatisfied in that you're now setting goals around for the future? Yeah, I think yeah, my, my biggest thing now, I think, and the one, probably the one thing that's taking 
my energy the most, mentally at least, is is just that balance. I think everyone's trying to find that balance. I mean, obviously, I'm trying to grow my career, grow my business, grow my brand from a professional point of view. Um, obviously, recently married, looking to have kids. I've, I've got in the back of my mind not to make the same mistakes that my my father did. So, you know, how do I do? How do I give? that particular time without, you know, taking time out of a business. So that's something uh, that I suppose I'm not dissatisfied about, but it's something that I'm acutely aware of and it hits me most days and it's something that I'm, I'm always trying to find that balance. Now, I don't think you're going to get it right all the time. You know, I, I say that you know, work-life balance is almost out the window. I think you've got to come back to three areas in no particular order, mind you, health, finances and relationships. You know, if you can balance those out, uh, across the three, you know, you, you're definitely well on your way. You know, being a ten in one and a two and two in the other, oh, sorry, three and a three in the other two, are not really going to work for you. I think, yeah, you know, if you can be eight out of ten in in all three finances, health, and relationships, I think you you're well and truly on the way. So, look, there's different. Like I said, there's um there's areas that I'm definitely working on. Um, like I said, being uh, I suppose more structured around my around my, my journal, um, being structured, more structured around you know, the time I give to curse, which is my wife, and not, not particularly being on from a work perspective. I think just finding balance for me is the one that um, takes most of my mental mm. energy, I think. Well, mate, this has been great. We, uh, we appreciate your time. We probably, now that we've softened you up. Mm. I think he's uh, sufficiently Robbo, warmed up. I do you think, think he's he ready, for the big, ready for the big question? <sighs> I reckon he's really <laughs> close if he's not quite there. I mean, the, the finals, the, the, the hooter hasn't sounded. We're in the yeah, final quarter. That's right. Well, it's extra we, time, we, really, isn't it? Let's we be need, we yeah, need a goal to, we, to get this over the yeah. line. Hit him with the big question. Golden point, extra time. Here we go, Ryan. Mate, uh, you sort of, you know, you're up and around of the morning. You know, you've got a big presentation on that day. Not quite feeling the love. You know, the mojo's not quite pumping. You've jumped in the car or you're on the bus or you're on the train or the tram or wherever on your way into the meeting. What's the what's the song that goes under the headphones to get the mojo cranking? Believe it or not, it's When We Were Kings by Brian McKnight. It's, uh, you know, you know, you heard of that one? Well, I have heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. The uh, It's a song at the end of When We Were Kings. Uh, yes. Documentary Muhammad Ali, The Rumble, yes, that's Rumble, right. in, the the Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there you go. You know, a big tennis match or a big presentation or a grand final in football. I save it for grand finals. I don't overuse it uh, during the year, but that's my go-to song. Uh, when We Were Kings by uh, Brian McKnight. Google it, folks. Google it. You should. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a great song, though. You're right. Absolutely. Very yeah. appropriate. Nice one. Well, what's, a great film. No doubt you've said it a couple of times, Robert. What's yours, mate? My song? My favourite. Look, my, my I ebb and flow at the moment. Well, actually, I, I actually used one last night because I was I was up late trying to crank through and um, doing some some stuff for my rugby coaching, and I was getting a bit tired, so I chucked on some Ramones. That that got me going. Okay, okay. Yeah, a Blitzkrieg bop, maybe, or, um, you know, surfing. Sheena is a punk rock. Sheena is a punk rock, a bit surfing bird, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was actually, um, it was, the album was actually It's Alive, because, um, you know, the Ramones live, you just can't go past them, let's be honest. Oh, okay, okay. you've just got to crank it up. <laughs> I'm more of a, yeah, I'm more of a movie buff than a, than a song buff, so you've got me with all, all those bands and songs. I'm outside my helmet there. That's all right. That's all good. 
everybody, each to their own, mate. Whatever works for you. That's what uh, that's what the Mojo Show is all about. Absolutely. So one last question before we let you go, mate. If you're a movie buff, what's the movie scene that you have watched more than twenty times? <laughs> that's your go-to movie scene when you need to get your mojo working and you just need to get it done. What's that scene from which movie? My, my tagline uh, is keep moving forward. So it's it's got to be Al Pacino any given Sunday, move forward. Oh. And that, that's it. That's, that's the one. He's been between the eyes more than any other. Life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. Well, I reckon that is goals to finish off this show, Ryan. Thank you for your time, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing you talk about your philosophies, your leadership. Where people will want to catch up with you or follow you, where do we send them, mate? What's, what's, the, what's the best place to track you down? Uh, website, either website or Twitter. Uh, website is just ryanweightperformance.com, uh, R-Y-A-N-W-A-I-G-H-T, Performance, P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E.com. And my Twitter handle is just at Ryan underscore weight. So W-A-I-G-H-T. Beauty. And we will put those links in the show notes. Mate, thanks for your time. Good catching up. And uh, we'll have to get you back sometime. Yeah, and Ro, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys. And uh, look, if ever in Sydney up your way or you're down my way, we'll, we'll catch up for a, for a coffee or, or whatever. That'd be fantastic. The Mojo Radio Show. Well, I reckon we is almost done for this week, Robbo. Uh, anything to take us out? Well, yeah, I do, actually. It's, it's very close to my heart, and I'm sure you'll understand why in a minute. But you're, you're heading off on the tour to Cure in the not-too-far-distant future, aren't you? Yes, we head out of Brisbane on the 29th of April. From We're riding from Brisbane to Sydney again, yep. Yeah, right, okay. Well, I have a little suggestion that um, that will certainly help you along your way, but um, might also uh, help fight cancer along the way as well. <laughs> right, that is. <laughs> we all know ACDC's classic song, Thunderstruck, right? Classic rock and roll anthem. Classic rock and roll anthem. Well, get this, it's actually been proved scientifically that that song specifically fights cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is a stretch. Mate, it's not a stretch. Trust me, it's, this is straight out of the, the annals of medical history. Scientists have come up with a drug uh, called Campotycin, let's just say. Let's call it Campo, shall we? Campo. <laughs> Campo. Campo. It <laughs> steps its way down your gut. Yeah, yeah. Can, can, can step. That's can step. That's right. Well, listen, this, the, the reason this drug works so well is because they've coated it with a, a membrane on the outside of the drug that means it releases more slowly as it works your way through your gut, meaning you get a better dose. Hmm. The problem was that using uh, regular techniques to coat it with this coating, 
They couldn't get it to work. It would only coat on one side for whatever reason I don't fully understand. Some brainiac at the, uh, at the laboratory decided, well, let's put a loudspeaker under the mixer and turn it up loud and see if that helps. Turns out that that did help. And it also turns out that ACDC's Thunderstruck has the right harmonic qualities that gives it the best coating. That's unbelievable. How awesome is that? That is awesome. And you're saying it's true. It's absolutely it's, it's, true, it's, yeah. Because it's, it's not April 1st. You're saying no. this is absolutely dinky die true. This is absolutely dinky die true to the best of my knowledge. I've researched this on a number of websites and they all seem to be reporting the same thing. So I can only presume that this is oh, not well. an April Fool's. You know, the radio, mo- the Mojo Radio Show, let's just with it. <laughs> Let's just go with it, exactly. <laughs> We've done our due diligence. I was going to say, I'm surprised we did research at all. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Google. There you go. Well, that's, good. that's a good story, How right? cool is that? So, uh, so Brian and the boys out there fighting cancer as well as um, getting our mojo cranking. Well, you know what I'm going to do now? Mm. I'm going to have Thunderstruck cranking out of the Lexus vehicles, which support us front and back on our tour. Yep. We'll have the uh, Lexus cars going, windows down, lights lights going, and a bit of uh, bit of Thunderstruck on. So everyone in the Peloton, the support team, will be looked after and uh, another way to prevent cancer. So uh, that's it. Mate, why don't we play that to get out? I reckon we've got to get out with that, don't we? Crank it up, folks. We're out.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.